But I want to look at Acts chapter 20, verses 17 to 38. These are the words of Paul, the apostle, and they're words given to the Ephesian elders. They're actually, at least in terms of his relationship with these Ephesian elders, it's the last words that they heard from Paul. And there's something about last words that, you know, creates a clarity of thinking and a, a profoundness in what we say, right? I uh, was with my dad the last week of his life, and uh, I remembered vividly what we talked about. Uh, those, those moments to share, and we, we, we talked about life, we talked about Jesus, uh, we went through the Gospel of John together, we talked about the I Am statements of Jesus, he said, I am the bread of life, um, I am the good shepherd, uh, multiple I Am statements in John, I, I remember vividly, those were last words we had with each other. And they're precious to me and they uh, impact how I think about my dad. And Well, in Acts chapter 20, these are last words that Paul shares with these Ephesian elders. And they're powerful. And So I want to just take some time to look at th- these words. We're going to read together. You can follow along. I think we'll have it projected. Uh, if you have a Bible in hand, that's even better. Let me pray and then we'll look at chapter 20, verses 17 to 38. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for this time This morning, we thank You, Lord, that You have given us Your Word so that we could know what You think and what You want us to know about Yourself in life. What You want us to know about pastors as well. Thank You for this passage. And I pray You'd help me to clearly and concisely teach it and help us to hear and learn and be changed by Your Word, Lord God. Lord, show Yourself through it as well. There's no one like You. So we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Verse 17, it says, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which He obtained with His own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease 
night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. And now, I commend you to God and to the Word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. And all these things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how He Himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when He had said these things, He knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. God's Word from Acts chapter 20. I just want to go through this uh, briefly and talk a little bit about different observations about shepherds. Paul is instructing these Ephesian elders through his example and through explicit instruction on what it means to be a shepherd. Shepherds are really God's plan to care for His church and to see His church prosper. Paul wants to see this church in, in greater Ephesus prosper, and so he gets time with his dear friends, the Ephesian elders. God wants churches to prosper, so He instructs us through Acts chapter 20 and elsewhere on the importance and the role of, of pastors, of shepherds. So first, I just want to observe something, some things about the shepherd's life. We, we see as we look through this passage, we see Paul's example. We see his life. First, one thing to note is he ministered with tears. He says it twice in the passage. that He, he labored with tears. He was a man who, who labored, who did the work of pastoring, not from a cold heart, not from just mere calculation, I ought to do this, not just from simple logic, but with his heart, with his emotions, with his life. He cared about the things that he was teaching. He cared about the truth he was bringing. He cared about the people. There were tears. He shed tears as he ministered. He said things with tears. He ministered like, like these people were his own children, his own brothers and sisters. Think of a parent who is sitting maybe with a, a child who's wayward and just imploring them, oh son, this truth is just so important. I love you so much. I, I just want you to know the, what it is and what a blessing it is to trust God. I know how hard it is. And, and just pleading like that and crying. That's, that's how he ministered as a pastor. So a shepherd is called to, to minister from the heart with his whole life. Like, like a, a parent with a child. Like a, a dear brother with a dear sister or dear brothers and sisters among themselves. We learn about a shepherd's life from Paul in this way. We also learn as we look in verses 20 and 31 that he worked really hard. He labored day and night, house to house, and in public. He went through trials. It was a tough life. It wasn't easy. Perhaps at one point in time, a pastor's life was an easy life. I don't know in history at times when, you know, when there was public funding for pastors. I know historically you know, it could be a cushy life somehow, but... But if you're looking for a cushy life, don't become a pastor. It's not a, it's not a cushy life. Uh, the other day we were at, at a sign company and the, sign, the woman, our salesperson, is a very uh, gracious, helpful woman. But she was just talking about working with churches and it was really funny because she says that churches typically come in with their committees and they spend a lot of time and they end up having no money to do anything. And that kind of was true for us in some ways. And she said it this way. She said, churches, lots of time and no money. 
And, uh, and we chuckled, and I said, well, that kind of describes my job. Lots of time and no money. It's a job that you spend lots of time, and there's sufficient reward, of course, and provision, but you don't go into it for a cushy job. Paul didn't go into this job to find a cushy job. He went into labor hard. He, he labored amidst trials. And, and he, didn't, he didn't dwell on that. He, he avoided a pity party. You know, Paul had reasons to really have a pity party. He could have drawn attention to how hard it was and, and draw attention to himself in that, but he didn't. He turned it to the Lord. He turned it to others. A pastor is one who works hard, who labors hard. And he instructs the, the Ephesian elders through his own example of generosity. He was more interested in giving than receiving. And so he encouraged them to, to work hard. And certainly there were pastors there that probably were bivocational pastors. They had full-time jobs uh, in addition to their job as a shepherd, as a pastor. And there probably would have been uh, guys that were full-time. In 1 Timothy 5, we learn about that. There's a mix, but the point in all of it is, is to be generous. To not be in the role to, to receive, but to give. So we see examples of the shepherd's life here through, Ephesians, through the Ephesian elders in Acts 20. Next, the shepherd's charge. Verse 28. He charges them. He says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which, which He obtained with His own blood. He charges these elders to this task. He charges them to watch after themselves and all the flock. That's interesting, isn't it? They're to watch their own lives. Watch your own life. Watch your own doctrine. Watch your own life and your faith and your behavior. And watch the whole flock. There's, there's instruction there that you're part of the flock as well. You're part of the congregation. Watch yourselves and the whole flock. This, this is, uh, the people of God are described as a flock. That's instructive. Um, it's kind of a, a mixed bag, right, to be called a sheep today. You know, people say sheeple. Uh, it's, it's kind of an insult, but there's some truth in that, right? Sheep are not real smart animals. They tend to follow each other, and without leadership, a, a herd of sheep can even walk off a cliff together. Um, so there's that aspect, and we have to be honest with ourselves. We are all, to, to some degree, sheeple, right? We, we walk together. We tend to follow each other, and we have to be aware of that. Uh, that's why God gives shepherds. But the shepherds themselves are also sheep. They, they need to, to have the care of other shepherds. They need to have the care of the whole flock. But it's the flock of God. There's the other side to the, the metaphor of sheep that's endearing uh, because the ancient Near Eastern shepherd lived among the flock. He knew them. He, knew, he had names for all the sheep. They knew his voice. He lived there. They walked with him. They, he didn't, the ancient Near Eastern shepherd didn't drive the sheep like a Western shepherd. Didn't send out the dogs just to drive the sheep. He, he walked with the sheep and they followed the shepherd. So there's that aspect as well that we are the flock uh, of God and we are a flock as, as a congregation. And shepherds are to care for the flock. They're to watch their lives. They're to, to look for uh, the good of the flock. It says the Holy Spirit has made them overseers. That's important. It's God the Holy Spirit who calls pastors to be shepherds. God is at work. And that's what we're doing today. We're just recognizing how God has been at work. It says in this passage also that it's the church of God. Isn't that uh, important to note? That this is the church of God. It's not the church of Mike Lilly. It's not the church of 
Paul Buckley. It's not the church of the Apostle Paul. It's the church of God. We care for the church of God. It's His gathered people. We are part of that church. Uh, there's no more precious group of people in the whole world than God's people. They are the apple of His eye. They are the ones that He's loved from eternity past. He's loved us with an everlasting love. He's laid down His life for us. And so we care for the church of God. We care for this most precious group of people and then our, our particular local church within that broader church. They are the church of God, and it says, which He obtained with His own blood. It's kind of shocking. A shocking statement. When we talk about blood, we, we should be shocked because we know that blood represents human life. Human life is precious. This isn't just any human life. This is Jesus Christ's life. The God-man and His perfect holy life. His perfect loving life. He shed His blood for His people. He paid for the sins of His people to purchase them back from, from their lostness, their rebellion against God, to, to make atonement and payment for their sins so there could be forgiveness that they could know God in His mercy and grace and no longer be subject to the just consequences that God in His justice would bring, but instead could be forgiven for all those things, counted as righteous and accepted in Christ. This church, that church has been bought with His blood. The, the church is precious. I don't think there's any more important statement to the preciousness of the church than that the church has been bought with His own blood. Imagine if you, imagine if you owned the flag from Iwo Jima. The flag that flew over Iwo Jima after that battle. Imagine if you owned that. What would that flag represent? It would represent tens of thousands of lives given in that battle. It would represent even everything in the war. It would represent all the blood that was shed for, for the cause of good in World War II. If you had that flag, it would be precious, wouldn't it? You would guard it. You would, you would probably donate it to someone to take better care of it. You, it would be precious to you. How much more the church of God bought with His own blood. Brother, you're called to care for this church. The church bought with His own blood. The challenge here in this passage uh, Paul lists two things. First, there are fierce wolves. He knows that after he's gone, fierce wolves are going to come in. They're going to come in. What, what is the problem with wolves and sheep? Wolves eat sheep, right? That's, that's the problem, right? Uh, so wolves are going to come in and they're going to eat the sheep. They're going to destroy the sheep. That's the problem. That's the challenge. Of course, it's a metaphor for people that will come in and, and do things that destroy the flock. You know, sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between a wolf and a sheep. Uh, they can come in amidst the flock. Uh, wolves in sheep's clothing we talk about, right? But how do you tell the difference between a wolf and a shepherd? A shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's how you tell what a shepherd is. He's willing to lay his life down. He's willing to give up his life for the good of the sheep. A wolf, what, a wolf lays down the sheep's life for his own good. That's the difference. That's how you tell the difference. A, a shepherd will lay his own life down for the good of the sheep. A wolf will lay the lives of the sheep down for his own good. He will use people for his own means and end. That's how you tell the difference. And Paul says uh, the, the problem is that you're going to have wolves that will come in. And a shepherd is to guard against the wolves. There's an aspect of shepherding that's full of care and tenderness and gentle instruction. Uh, but a shepherd also 
is to be firm and to drive off the wolves. And there's to be no compromise in that. It's a hard job because we're called in some way to be gentle and patient and kind, but we have to be firm and we have to call things out when they need to be called out. We have to identify error. We have to identify wrong teaching and dangerous things. There's a, there's a, a challenge there to be firm and truthful, but also gentle and patient. We have to use the, the rod and staff at times to drive off the wolves. Paul also says the challenge for the shepherd is false prophets. He says in this context that there will be ones who will come and will twist, uh, twist words, twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. There will be people who will come from their own midst who will be false prophets. It's related to being wolves, but a different way of thinking of it. False prophets who will twist things. Um, many of you probably remember the terrible tragedy of Jim Jones and the, the, the mass suicide in Guyana back in was it, the 70s. Um, I don't know if people know that actually Jim Jones at one point was an ordained pastor in a Methodist church and would have taught faithful biblical doctrine. And he at some point became a false prophet and a wolf and ended up devouring what, a thousand sheep with his life. And so we are to be diligent. We are to be accountable uh, to each other as elders, to our congregation, and for us, uh, to our network of uh, churches as well in this. We're to watch our lives. We're to be careful. We're to stand firmly and drive off the wolves and the false prophets. Finally, the shepherd's confidence. Paul is giving this example. He gives the charge and the challenge, but he, he leaves them with his great confidence. In verses 30, 32 and 24 earlier as well, he says, Now I commend you to God and to the Word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. He commends them to the Word of God. He knows that God in His Word is sufficient to work what God wants to work among His flock. He knows that the Word of God, the truth of the Gospel, the wonderful good news of Christ crucified and risen, and all that comes with it is sufficient as a shepherd comes and brings that truth and models what it is to live in that truth that, that God in His Word will work for the flock. We'll build the flock up. We'll care for the flock. We'll help that flock mature to look more and more like Jesus. Paul's confidence is in God's Word and in the good news of Christ. So, shepherds are important in God's purposes. Paul wants to, these shepherds to understand what it means to be a shepherd. The importance of the shepherd for the flock. And may God's Word um, be understood and blessed to us this morning, we pray. Amen.